Well, it's nothing new to see Barcelona sitting at the top of the La Liga Santander table after 11 match days. It is, however, a little unusual to see two sides from the city of Barcelona at the top of the table. We will discuss a weekend that continued to prove unpredictable in Spain. You are listening to the La Liga show. My name is Mitchell Tierney and ahead on today's episode, uh, La Liga Continental Preview as Spanish sides get set to play in both the Champions and Europa Leagues and our La Liga Games of the Week. Joining me is the return of my inaugural guest, Carlos Verdi. Thanks for coming back on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mitchell. Looking forward to uh, to chatting. It was an incredible weekend in La Liga, and obviously there's uh, some pretty big Champions League ties coming up in the next 48 hours as well. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, well, if you think we're just uh, repeating our last Champions League preview, uh, it's it's not the case. The, the The same teams are basically playing each other in both the Champions League um, and the Europa League, uh, of course, that did the last time out. So, um, kind of that interesting middle fixture as the as we get some repeat games, um, and it's been a fairly positive run in in um, Europe as of late for. Spanish sides, but one of the sides that can't count themselves among that uh, is Atletico Madrid, who are dealt a pretty darn rude awakening last time out with the 4-0 loss away uh, at Dortmund. Um, and they're they're coming into the second leg, not in the best form either. Um, a 1-1 draw, of course, with Leganes at the weekend. An interesting kind of uh, debate held publicly between uh, player Saul and uh, the manager Diego Simeone when Saul said that they kind of lacked ambition during the game after going up 1-0, but then uh, allowing Leganes to get back into the match and not really pushing very hard for that second goal. Diego Simeone saying, well, when Saul watches it back, uh, I think he'll he'll agree that we should have won that match and we could have won that match. So uh, kind of an interesting difference in opinion there, but um, definitely a, a big game for Atletico in the Champions League if they want to finish first in their group. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. You know, you look at Atleti and this is a club that under, under you know, Cholo Simeone has, has really... Uh, made its identity on that sense of club unity and that sense of players going to battle and 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 dying for their manager and and so what played out in the press was kind of interesting because it's not something that you know you typically see from Atleti. Now it is interesting. We mentioned how big this game is against Dortmund uh, tomorrow afternoon in North America. Obviously, it's an evening game over there in uh, in Europe. But you know, it's interesting. We say it's an important game, and I, and I guess in the grand scheme of things, in terms of the club's psyche, obviously. Uh, coming off a 1-1 draw at Leganes that, you know, will be seen as a disappointment for them, but more importantly, coming off that 4-0 defeat in Germany. Yes, it's a big game for them mentally, but the fact is, is that, you know, a win and they're in with two match days to spare. So Atleti, as as frustrating uh, a sequence of match days as it's been for them and as disappointing as that 4 nothing game that obviously got away from them in Germany, Rafael Guerrero, have to say it was absolutely sparkling in that performance for Dortmund. But as as much as we say this is a big game, I still don't really see it that way because they do have Monaco at home, Right, and they, like they've they've still got plenty of opportunities to advance. They're five points clear of Monaco and Club Bruges with with three match days left. Yes, they can do themselves a favor with a with a positive result at the Wanda Metropolitano tomorrow. But uh, grand scheme of things, I don't think Atleti's European campaign is going to hinge uh, on this match. But again, they'll they'll want to get back in the win column. 
uh, in Europe and, and, and off of a pretty disappointing result at Leganes on the weekend. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big one, just not necessarily uh, in the Group A table. Yeah, fair enough. I was kind of hoping Monaco would provide at least a little more spice in this group, but they've clearly this season not been their recent vintage. And fair enough when you lose the type of quality that they have in recent years. Dortmund, however, they very much look like how they've been uh, in recent past in terms of an incredible counterattacking style. A lot of very good young players. We're talking about Paco Alcacer, uh, Jaden Sancho, Rafael Guerrero you mentioned earlier, Pulisic, um, and of course uh, Marco Royce bringing it all together. And, uh, you know, obviously there's the big difference that this game will be played at home for Atletico where they've been much better than they've been on the road this season in La Liga. Uh, just five goals in six games on the road, of course. Uh, again, not doing very well at the weekend against Leganes away. So, um, you know, this is this is a good opportunity for them to continue to make uh, the Wanda Metropolitano um, an away date that teams don't want to make uh, during the European season. Absolutely, and, and, and again, it just comes down to sort of that uh, resurrecting the club's identity. Now, granted, they're still, they're still having a, an okay season by their standards. They're hanging with the big boys. They're, they're still within relative reach of Barcelona. And, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting, though, because we are starting to see maybe some cracks in the armor. And, you know, this is a team that offensively is going to live and die by Antoine Griezmann, as, as they have done for quite some time. So I think it's... It's a big match. Uh, they will advance through that group. I don't see Monaco or Club Bruges uh, really providing too, too much in the way of opposition in the final couple of match days. But nonetheless, a big one tomorrow for Atleti. And uh, speaking of those big boys in La Liga, Barcelona top of the table and could very much stay top of the table in their European group as well. Uh, what would look to be a tricky group on paper with Tottenham uh, and Inter Milan and PSV Eindhoven in there as well. But so far, they've dealt very well with it and uh, a win away at the San Siro. Never an easy possibility, but could very much put them far and away the best team in that group um, a bit of a tricky one this past weekend for them they were able to escape with a late 3-2 win over Raya Vallecano so maybe not coming in in the best form um, in terms of mentally at least uh, but you know a, a good kind of that's kind of what these top teams do right is they're able to to get those late results away and uh, at this point it was just putting Gerard Piquet up top and I've heard uh, I know Marsa calling it uh, Xavi wouldn't have wouldn't have been uh, too happy seeing Barcelona play that way but the long ball worked out for them this time and it gives them at least a, a bit of confidence as they maintain uh, the top of the table going into this week's match yeah and, and the fact is is that uh, Vallecas is a very very tough place to play uh, it's a it's a bizarre stadium with a, a unique unique clientele we'll call it and uh, <laughs> the club really does just does have that fighting mentality uh, and so I wasn't, I don't think too many people were surprised to see Vallecano give them a good game this weekend. And it looked like it was going to be the best viewing of the weekend until uh, Betty Celta Vigo uh, yesterday, which was absolutely incredible. But getting back to uh, this match, I mean, Inter Milan are no slouches. We are seeing a return to old this year uh, with the blue and black in, in Internazionale. And you look at their form coming into this, I mean, they've beaten on the hop AC Milan, Lazio, and Genoa. 
combined combined score of 9-0 over their last three Serie A matches. Now, granted, there's a 2-0 defeat at the Camp No mi- mixed in with those three results, but this is an interside that is certainly game. They're certainly up for the challenge. They haven't conceded a goal. Uh, pardon me, they, they've conceded four goals in, in, in the group stage, but... This is an inter team that is definitely game for the challenge. I mean, you know, they they don't concede a ton. Uh, they certainly haven't in recent weeks in the league against some pretty good opposition. And and as for Barcelona, I mean, they can put their foot on the gas pedal. They've already they they're already assured of obviously a Europa League spot. Now, granted, we know that their aims will be higher than that, but uh, Barcelona will want a result from this match. They will feel it's a winnable match. Inter, I think, will also see it as a winnable match because they weren't played off the pitch at the Camp No a couple of weeks ago, and and they've had some really good results in, in Serie A recently. I mean, the five 0 blowout of Genoa is always respectable, and uh, and it's it's going to be an entertaining matchup. I'm really curious uh, to see how things play out. But again, n- neither Barcelona nor Atletico de Madrid, de Madrid is is really in any kind of trouble, right? And that's why I think some of the other matchups we're going to talk about are maybe a little more interesting. Yeah, if you want to talk about a club in trouble, both domestically and in Europe, Valencia is the first one that comes to mind. Uh, moving on from tomorrow's fixtures into Wednesday's fixtures, they play uh, at home against Young Boys. They drew 1-1 away against Young Boys in in a result that very much has summarized their season. A ton of draws. They've only had one win this season. They've only lost twice in La Liga, but eight draws, and that really kills you every time you pick up just one point like that. Um, it, it's, it's so difficult to climb in the table, and obviously that's why they're towards the lower end. Um, they've also struggled offensively, of course, allowing only seven goals so far this season, which is the lowest in La Liga after the Real Betis offensive unit kind of finally woke up this weekend. So uh, what do you make of Valencia going into this match? Uh, definitely one that they kind of have to win if they want to keep their European hopes alive. Well, and, and I think at this point we're looking at a Valencia that is struggling so mightily in La Liga that, you know, they're looking at where they're situated right now, uh, two points back of Man U for that final uh, spot in the round of 16, also only a single point ahead of Young Boys Burns. So, I mean, you look at Valencia, this is a side that has the talent, but under Marcelino this year simply have not delivered. I mean, even this weekend we saw it, a game where they put 27 shots towards the net nine on target and now granted they ran into a pretty hot goalkeeper in in Girona but but to not score a goal at home against Girona and for that to be the the standard this year under Marcelino and he's he's not wavering from his 4-4-2 the team was whistled off the pitch right now Valencia is in a world of hurt right now, Mitchell. And, and and I look at I look at the group and the way it's poised and they have Man U at home in December, uh and and of course they have an away trip to Valencia. Those are their final three matches. You know, away pardon me, home against Bern should be a victory, but certainly not a guarantee. You look at this matchup, both Valencia and Young Boys have only scored a single goal through three match days in the Champions League. So it's not as though Valencia, even though they boast a whole host more talent than their Swiss counterparts, I don't think they can be seen as big favorites in this match because 
quite frankly, they haven't done it at any point this season. They have not played to their offensive potential. Now, a couple of people are wearing it. Parejo's wearing it. Marcelino obviously is wearing it the most as the manager. But at this point of the year, I'm looking at Valencia and saying, you know what? Get the win against Young Boys, probably lose out against Man U and Juve, and just focus on you know consolidating your spot in the league and and maybe making a run of Europa League because this still is a squad that on paper is good enough. You look at the talent that they have up front, whether it's, you know, uh Rodrigo simply hasn't been up to up to standard this year. You know, it's it's been a very, very conflicted Valencia side going forward. They don't have the X factor. I read a read a story in Marca about it this this afternoon actually, just talking about how much of their strike force has either been rumored on the way out or has come in and either battled injuries or, you know, been unsettled in the case of Gadja. And, and I just, I look at this team and I go, okay, they need to, they need to consolidate what they have in La Liga and assure a mid-table finish. And I think trending towards Europa League is probably uh, a better scenario than somehow maybe pulling off a result against Man U and staying alive in the Champions League, because this, quite frankly, right now, is not a Champions League side outfit under Marcelino. Yeah, and it's so disappointing, because I really did think Valencia could make that group uh, that much more interesting. We've seen, obviously, a Manchester United side that has opened the door very much for for another club to come in and, and pass them in the table, but um, it doesn't look like Valencia is, is any, in any position to do that um, moving on to our final Champions League fixture uh, on the Wednesday, Real Madrid. They're taking on Victoria Pilsen, of course, the club they beat 2-1 last time out. Um, I think it's pretty fair to say at this point that the La Liga uh, table might be getting beyond Real Madrid, obviously. Um, they're still not away off the top, but uh, it's it's getting pretty dire, and they have a lot to figure out on that side, If they, you know, even if they want to start climbing back towards that top four. But um, if you look at the talent, I mean, even with the injuries, this is a club that uh, still has so much ability to get it done in Europe. And um, with this group, I know they've had some speed wobbles, obviously, the the loss in Moscow uh, is big but they should still win this group and that's still a fixture that in Europe you don't want to ever have to play Real Madrid because they're just so good at getting the results they need and obviously they've shown that the past three years especially. Yeah I mean there's no doubt and and there's also no doubt at the same time that this isn't the Madrid team uh, of Zinedine Zidane and Cristiano Ronaldo and an informed Gareth Bale of previous years but I mean, you look at this match against Pilsen. They're going to the middle of nowhere, Czech Republic. 12,000-seat <laughs> stadium. It's going to be a hostile environment. And, you know, for everybody saying, well, Real has reinvented itself under Solari and, and you know, Vinicius Junior is going to be the savior and all this. I mean, they beat Valladolid 2-0 at home on a redirected Vinicius shot that literally just bounced off a defender's back and passed a passed a, a beleaguered goalkeeper that had no chance. Yeah, and a cheeky set here Ramos penalty. So, I mean, it's not as though they've dominated mid-table Valladolid at the Bernabeu on the weekend. They're going to they're going to Pilsen, and this is a this is a Czech team that has virtually nothing, virtually nothing mm-hmm. to offer against a team like Real Madrid. They've they've conceded nine times in three matches. Uh, including, uh, you know, 5-0 against Roma. Uh, and, 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 you know, you just look at it, and yet it still feels like a trap game. It still feels like a trap game to me. <laughs> 
everything is pointing to a multi-goal Real Madrid win. Uh, you know, this is a Pilsen team that does not have much in the way of foreign talent. Their top scorer is also out. Uh, I read that, that uh, his name's Michael Kermensik, and uh, he's out for the rest of the season. So, I mean, this is a Madrid team that's going into Pilsen with literally everything in their favor, and yet it's still, it, it, in previous years, this would be like an automatic 2-3-4 goal victory, and it just doesn't feel like that this year. It feels like this might be a game in which they struggle. Uh, and, and, you know, for everybody saying that Solari has come in and, and steadied the ship and all that, I would argue that this weekend's win against Valladolid was not anywhere near uh, ship steadying. That's a mid-table side at home, and it was a 2-0 win, both goals coming after the 80th minute, and, and both somewhat fortunate, a penalty and a, and a redirect. So for me, they, they probably will get by Pilsen, you know, by a goal, maybe two. But this just does not look to me like a Real Madrid team, Mitchell, that, that is on the cusp of hammering anybody 4 or 5 nothing. And you know what? Personally, I wouldn't write the group off just yet either uh, with that November 27th date in Italy against Roma looming. This, is, this, this group is still wide open to me. Even CSK Moscow, if they can get a result at home against Roma uh, on, on November 7th, it's going to be a very, very <laughs> interesting uh, final couple match days in Group G. Well, I think the the Real fans as well have have maybe been sensing that as well. Um, they were whistling. Their captain Sergio Ramos at the weekend, uh, even when he stepped up to take that penalty, which he obviously scored. Uh, as you said, Gareth Bale um, got whistles as well as he's been kind of erratic in terms of form recently. And Marco Asensio uh, just really doesn't seem like a very happy time for a fan base that certainly have come to expect a, a much higher standard of play than what they've been treated to of late. Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely no doubt that this is a Real Madrid club that in the past three, four years has been spoiled, especially especially on the European stage, right? This is a club that in the big moment always gave, you know, a good account of themselves, whether it was a draw away against a giant, whether it was a 4-5-0 win at home against, you know, a club like a Valladolid. Uh, this is this is now no longer uh, a club that's on that same level, right? And and personally, right now, I don't I don't see this Real Madrid squad now. Obviously, they still have to name uh, a long term manager and all that. Some are saying Solari, some are saying Antonio Conte might still make a backdoor appearance. <laughs> I even read a rumor, and I think it was Us yesterday, one of the sports papers over there, that said Jose Mourinho is suddenly a name that's being floated around, even though he's clearly stated that he isn't going to leave Man U unless he's fired. So, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces at Real, but one thing is clear is that they are not the Real Madrid of old, and I think that fans are going to come to realize that. They're obviously not happy. They're voicing their displeasure, but that's how things work in Spain. Heads will roll. Lopetegui's already far out the back door. And I think more changes are coming, probably to the squad as well in January, uh, unless they can have an unbelievable run of form here in the next six weeks or so that would, you know, assure Florentino Perez and and the board and and whether it's Santiago Solari or another manager that the ship has been steadied because right now I still haven't seen that steady ship from Real Madrid. There are a few things I want more than Jose Mourinho to be manager of Real Madrid just for the content <laughs> it will provide this podcast um, 
Let's move on to the other European competition, the Europa League, where uh, we'll quickly look at some of the fixtures for Spanish teams. There, quite a positive last run out for the Spanish sides in the Europa League. Um, they had three wins, a combined score of thirteen to one, which is uh, pretty incredible um, in terms of the results. And, and the biggest result um, was Sevilla beating Akisar to the Turkish side six goals to nil and uh, it's it's kind of a you know for them very much a symptom of what they've been playing like recently with uh, outstanding offensive side now I say that they haven't they didn't score in their last two times out in the Liga and the Copa del Rey so um, maybe a bit of a slump for them there but they've been the second best team at least in terms of goals and expected goals uh, in La Liga so far this season. Um, it, it looks at least like they've recovered from that uh, speed wobble against Krasnodar, so um, looking good for them both domestically uh, and in the Europa League as well. Yeah, I mean, that's still a group that I think is surprisingly tight right now. Uh, on paper, Sevilla is clearly, clearly the best team in that group. I mean, Krasnodar has a couple of import talents. Standard Liège is your standard kind of pardon the pun, standard Belgian side. You know you know what you're getting when you face a squad like that. They're going to be tactically sound. They might not have the most going forward, but they certainly uh, will be technically sound. And this Akisar Spore has clearly just proven that they're they're not up to the task. Uh, this is this is a Turkish side that we don't typically see, and, and, and you know, the, the record speaks for itself. They're minus eight goal differential in three matches. Now, granted, you know, one of the, a big part of that is the 6-0 defeat uh, on the road in Spain against Sevilla. But, you know, it's, it's a big game for Sevilla in that they're not out of the woods yet. Uh, that loss in Russia really has thrown their, their Europa League group stage plans out the window. I'm sure they were probably looking at you know the home game against Krasnodar and 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 uh, and and that away match to Belgium later in the group as games where they might be able to rest players perhaps right and and they don't have that luxury halfway through the group phase they're tied with Krasnodar and and Standard for those first second and third spots and only two of those three teams are going to advance so for Sevilla <laughs> it is of utmost importance that they don't have a slip up in Turkey against a a far inferior uh, Akisar Spor side and. You know, three points here means that they will be in the driver's seat going into those games against Krasnodar and Standard. So, very important match day for Sevilla and should be a multi-goal victory away from home, you would think. We talked about Valencia earlier. They have a something of a mirror team in the Europa League in Villarreal, a side that we expected to be much better than they were um, this season, but they have obviously are just one point above the drop zone after uh, securing that late point in the 93rd minute in a draw against Levante on the weekend. Um, perhaps the only truly positive game of the season recently for them um, has been that 5-0 win away. Uh, at Rapid Vienna, or sorry, at home against Rapid Vienna, uh, even despite the 79th minute red card, they were able to pull that off. Um, it's going to be dip- more difficult for them now, obviously, as they travel to the Allianz Stadium. Uh, Stadium. Um, but if they win, uh, there's all of a sudden a pretty darn good chance that they go through. And um, for a side that hasn't had a lot of positives to build on this season, you have to consider that one a big, uh, a big positive if they're able to pull it off. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky ask though, right? I mean, this is a Villarreal team that, aside from that five nil win against Rapid Vienna, has has not had 
a lot to write home about, uh, whether in Europe or in the domestic league, right? I mean, they're they're mired right in the middle of Group G right now. They've got, you know, they're tied on points with Rangers. Vienna is two back, and Spartak is three back. And, you know, they've still, they've, they're still looking at, you know, an, uh, a trip again, or a home game against Spartak Moscow. They, they've still got games that need winning. And, and a draw in Austria would be probably acceptably good for them, given how poor their form has been. I mean, like, let's... Let's just run through some of the results here. I mean, a 1-1 draw against Levante, a 3-3 draw at Almeria. I watched a bit of the second half of that <laughs> game, and, you know, they're struggling against against clubs that in past years they certainly haven't struggled against, right? 3-3 draw in Russia against Spartak, and they were hammered by Espanyol. This is, this is a Villarreal side that I think has disappointed uh, quite a few people, and, and, and you wonder... You know, I just I I wonder if uh, if if Calleja is the right man here. You know, if if Javi Calleja is is indeed the right man because right now, Villarreal significantly underachieving. They're coming off that fifth place finish last year, and they just haven't looked up to the task. Five nil win over Vienna aside, and I think I think this match is going to be extremely telling of 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 how this club is going to proceed through the kind of that middle third of the season. So it's it's a very big midweek match for Villarreal. And, and and let's also not forget the schedule that's in front of them, right? They've got Vallecano on the weekend next Sunday. Then they've got Betis, Rangers, and Barcelona. So three pretty decent opponents uh, coming down the pipe. So I think if they can get a little bit of confidence going, get a result in Austria, just a result would be enough to keep them in control of their own destiny and then parlay that into a good performance on the weekend, better uh, than the last couple we've seen. I think they might be able to to really get some momentum rolling here because so far this year they simply haven't had any. It really speaks to the parody of of the La Liga season this year that we've talked about basically almost all, um, minus a couple uh, of these teams in Europe so far. And we've been kind of harping on their form domestically and how uh, how much that has kind of counterimposed what they're trying to do in Europe this season. So very interesting on, on that regard. And we'll continue to watch how some of these clubs handle the European competition as they try and just get things right in the domestic season as well. Uh, one of the clubs that, on top of all these, who haven't really had the best start in terms of what we would ex- have expected of them this season is Real Betis. But uh, again, for them, a big result in the Europa League, winning away at the San Siro. Um, you know, a, a result that is pretty historic for them, obviously, against the AC Milan side that um, aren't what they have been in the past, but are still a fairly solid Italian side. And uh, on, on the history uh, of the game, one of the top clubs um so a big win for them in that regard and they'll be looking to do it again um you know they they've been offensively challenged this season i think it's safe to say they had five goals in la liga before they were able to get three this weekend in just a wild game against celta vigo probably the game of the weekend uh, maybe the game of the season um so at least that should give them a little bit of confidence going into um what would be an incredible feat if they were able to sweep ac milan um you know, tw- beat them twice in a row. Yeah, it would be a huge. It's also a huge ask, just given <laughs> how bad their form has been. I mean, you know, you look at it, and yes, it's a massive result in Italy, but outside of that, they've been an absolute shambles. I mean, 
1-0 defeat at home against Valladolid. 2-0 defeat at Hetafe. 1-0 <laughs> narrow win in the Copa del Rey over Racing. And then they were on the verge of losing at home against Vigo this weekend until uh, Sergio Canales pulled that ridiculous free kick out of out of nowhere, out of his back pocket in whatever it was, the 85th minute. But, you know, I have a couple cousins and stuff that, that are Betis Socios season ticket holders, and, and it's just maddeningly frustrating, I think, for them, given what a dream last year was and, and how well, on paper, the squad had come together over the course of, you know, the summer. And, and this is a squad that has good pieces, but I think we're seeing... Uh, a lot of those other clubs that we mentioned, you know, whether it was Espanol, Alaves on the last time I was on, we're seeing those clubs, even Levante and Hitafe are, are kind of pushing for that last Europa League spot right now. And mm-hmm. and a lot of these kind of traditionally fourth through seventh, eighth type teams that are in Europa League right now, you're looking at, you know, Villarreal, Valencia, Betis, uh, whatever it might be. But those three, Athletic Bilbao, another club that's really struggling, struggling looks like Berisso's probably on the way out there as manager. But we've seen these clubs kind of replaced in the first, you know, opening third of the season here in 2018-19 by clubs that more typically were in that relegation battle zone, right? That 14 to 17th spot in the Clasificación. So... Uh, it's it's interesting, right? And then you also get into the, okay, well, you know, we are currently down near the relegation zone in the case of Villarreal and Valencia. Do we even bother with a Europa, with a Europa League campaign, right? Mm-hmm. That almost becomes the question. And, and do you put your emphasis on winnable La Liga matches on the weekend? Or do you, you know, trot out your full squad for an away day in Vienna, right? And it's it's a it's a complex question that I think different clubs with different chairmen and, and, and boardrooms probably have different answers for. But I know for Betis, they take a lot of pride in their European performance and and they'll be up for the AC Milan match. I'm just not sure if their squad is in good enough form right now to get a result at this point in time. I mean that that Vigo game was an absolute disaster. I mean, it was fun to watch. It was great for neutrals. <laughs> and Vigo fans were probably happy with the outcome. But for Betis, I mean, they almost lost 3-2 at home to Vigo, which is just unacceptable, right? And and, and for a club that has ambitions, has spent, uh, I think they would be expecting better. It's a great time right now to be a soccer team in Barcelona, uh, obviously, FC Barcelona with the big El Clasico victory uh, over Real Madrid um, of late, and they're in great form, uh, top of the table, but uh, something of an unexpected side, uh, second in the table right now in Espanyol. Um, they evidently got a 1-0 win earlier today against Athletic Bilbao, a table or a club, as you said earlier, one of those clubs that is very much struggling right now. We've seen that in recent years. They uh, were points-wise well or decently above the drop zone last season, but not in terms of their spot in the standings and uh, tough season for them again. But Espanyol uh, securing that 1-0 win 
Borja Iglesias now has five goals in his past five matches, uh, scoring again today in that game. Um, what we've really seen from Espanyol this season, though, is an incredible defensive effort. Uh, no one has a lower expected goals than them this season in terms of La Liga, and um, they look like they could be a side that has staying power. I know we've talked about Alaves and how how great of a start they've had, but um, if you look at some of the underlying numbers, maybe uh, they've been outperforming, but Espanyol, um, especially, as I said, in terms of that defensive ability, they could be a side that very much pushes for a European spot and even a Champions League spot this season if they can continue this run of form. Yeah, well, I mean, Ruby, what he has done there is is nothing short of remarkable. Now, keep in mind, this is the guy that got Huesca promoted last year. I had the chance to see Huesca live towards the end of last season in Cordoba, and they played, you know, an attacking, disciplined uh, style, and, and he's carried that right into Espanyol in... in in uh, in a in a, a pretty good posting uh, by his standards, right? I mean, this is a guy that started his managerial career in the lower levels in Catalonia, came up with Espanyol B for a number of years, was there at the same time that the first team made uh, the the what was then the UEFA Cup, but the Europa League final uh, back in 2007, and it's a club that you know has had good spells. They made the European the you know secondary European final, and I think it was 2007. Uh, they've been a club that has previously pushed for that kind of fifth, sixth spot in the table. And, uh, you know, I think, I think what, what I've noticed just reading even, uh, you know, the post-match reports and watching a bit of the, the match today against Bilbao is that they've bought in, right? Similar to how Alaves came out of the gate flying, uh, Espanyol even more so, right? This is, they're, they're pretty much identical records for the most part. And, and doing it in similar fashions, and that's by, you know, defending well. Espanyol has allowed just eight goals in 11 matches. They've only, <laughs> I mean, they've only allowed one goal in five matches at home, right? And, mm. and this is, that's, that seems to be the recipe for success this year in Spain, is, is if you can defend, if you can hold teams to nil-nil draws and, and poach one, you look at a, what a guy like Borja Iglesias is doing up front for them, Nothing short of remarkable. I mean, this is a guy that he's just your kind of typical big front man, right? Six two, six three. Uh, this is his first time in 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 a top flight. He spent he spent four years with Celta Vigo's B team, <laughs> and now all of a sudden he shows up. He's got seven goals in twelve matches, and he's just he's a big target man. And and for me, it's really interesting to see a lot of these kind of previously mid to lower table sides it's like we mentioned the last time Mitchell they're suddenly transitioning to kind of that more I don't want to call it British or German pragmatic approach but that's what it is it's you know defending being sound technically maybe even call it the Atleti approach the Atletico de Madrid approach it's it's pragmatic it's buying in for the team and 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 I think when you play a system like that you don't need to spend as much you don't need players of an elite quality, you just need a strong club identity, and I think right now that's what that's what we're seeing with Ruby and his charges at Espanyol. And heck, I I hope it continues because I think that would make for an absolutely cracking uh, Barcelona derby. Those two clubs don't like each other, you know. It's the it's the Catalan independence side against kind of the traditional Spanish, you know. It's the Royal Spanish club Espanyol, right? And and so. That would make for one heck of a derby if Espanyol's still relevant uh, for the next meeting. 
Yeah, it certainly would. And this uh, transitions us very well into my pick um, for the game of the week. And I feel like I stole the obvious one, so sorry about that. But uh, on Sunday, of course, Espanol, they do take on Sevilla in a top-of-the-table clash. Um, as I said, one of the best offensive sides in La Liga against one of the best defensive sides, um, which you know should make it very interesting. It's always interesting to see which of those two kind of dueling mentalities wins out uh, during a match like this so looking forward to that one very much and uh, I think a match that could really tell us something a lot of things about two sides that have had a very good start to this campaign Uh, so Carlos which uh, which match did you pick for your game of the week yeah so I've got my eye on uh, Atletico de Madrid and Athletic Bilbao the battle of the two Atletis Uh, it's gonna (laughs) be it's going to be a big, big, big match for Bediso, uh, the Bilbao manager. Now, obviously, he's embattled right now. Similar position to Valencia. They're a club that had, in past years, you know, pretty serious European ambition. They've slayed giants. They won the Copa del Rey. Uh, this is this is a club that, quite frankly, is is bigger and better than the 17th spot that they're in right now in the standings. And and as opposed to a you know a Betis that has the that has the workhorses that you know you figure will figure out its offensive struggles under Kike Setien and 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 and, and move on. Um, Bilbao is a side that right now is struggling, and and you know I I don't want to say it, but it almost looks like there's no way out right now. They're conceding a boatload of goals. They're not scoring that much, and. You know they're facing a very very stiff challenge against an Atleti side that once again is the best defensive unit uh, in La Liga, and that's an away trip to the Wanda Metropolitano. Now my my only thinking here is maybe Bilbao catches them, you know, with a bit of that Euro hangover. Although even at that, they play on the Tuesday, so it's not really that quick of a turnaround considering mm-hmm. they play Saturday evening in 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 Madrid. So. You know, for me, I'm looking at this and I'm going, boy, if Athletic Bilbao can't get a result there, I think I think Eduardo Berizzo, uh is going to be in, in some trouble, right? And, and, and you look at what is ahead for them, some extremely winnable games after that Atleti match. They've got Getafe at home, Levante away, Huesca in the Copa del Rey. Uh, and and it's, it's... I'm really, really curious to see... Uh, what's going to end up happening here? Because this is a Bilbao team that, even in that Copa del Rey, they're going to Huesca. They're going to Huesca, and it's two-two. So you know they're they're not they're or pardon me, it was, it was postponed. They drew Huesca two-two earlier uh, mm-hmm. in the league, and and it's it's just it hasn't been a good year. And and I think today's result, the one-nil against Espanyol kind of summarize that they haven't been able to score they lost I mean we talked about it on the last podcast but Bilbao lost the Basque Derby 3-1 to Sociedad that featured like an entire team's worth of academy products and (laughs) for Bilbao I think that's it's fair to say this is the first time in quite some time that they are clearly second fiddle there although that's not to say that Sociedad's doing much better because they're not they're only three points ahead of them both Basque clubs severely underachieving, and that Bilbao Atleti game is going to be absolutely massive. Well, that will bring us to the end of our show. As we said, a lot of 
great games to watch this weekend and every weekend it seems like in La Liga right now bringing some new developments um so thank you everyone for listening and Carlos always a pleasure having you on thanks for having me Mitchell appreciate it and uh hopefully we're in for some good soccer both midweek and uh and towards the weekend gotta love Spanish football yeah absolutely you do and we'll be back to recap all of that action in Europe plus this weekend's fixtures on next week's show until then have a good week everyone